0: It's my duty, especially the community that I'm leading and trying to grow, to actually make friends with people who are not like me and have a different walk of life and are growing in a different way and having different struggles. Because if I don't know what their struggles are, it speaks volumes. You know, why is it that certain people can go from project to project, build company after company on the back of open source? And like, how come so many other people aren't taking advantage of that? Who's gatekeeping open source? I am personally passionate around decentralizing open source information.
1: Hello and welcome to Developer Love, the podcast for people who build developer communities. We'll hear from people working to win the hearts and minds of developers, including founders, execs, and the top minds in developer relations, dev marketing, and community management. I'm Patrick Woods, the CEO of Orbit, the community experience platform. Developer Love is brought to you by Heavybit, an accelerator and venture fund dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. Today, I'm chatting with Brian Douglas, Senior Developer Advocate at GitHub. Awesome. Well, Brian, thanks so much for coming on to Developer Love. To kick us off, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're working on?
0: Excellent, yeah. So I'm Brian Douglas. Uh, I go by B Dougie on the internet, bdougieyo on Twitter. And uh, I'm a developer advocate at GitHub, which means, well, If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what that means. But uh, I get to relate with developers. Uh, GitHub is 50 million developers worldwide. And I get to basically go to bat for them and listen to all their feature requests and then sort of file those into some sort of issue because GitHub uses GitHub to build GitHub.
1: Tell us about your path. How did you end up at GitHub doing what you do?
0: Yeah, so there's there's a long story. And then I have a shorter story. But yeah, Uh, essentially, and I always preempt my my explanation to... uh, if you want to get the beginning, beginning, uh, I'm on episode two of Code Newbies. So I was a career changer, did, a, did an online boot camp, which is called Block, uh, moved from sales into Rails, like literally Ruby on Rails, and started building some side projects since I had this new skill, which is coding. So that's all in that podcast. But I ended up finding myself doing some Rails development here in San Francisco and uh, randomly went to, actually at Heavybit, went to a meetup and saw a, a talk on this like tool called Netlify, super interesting stuff. I didn't know that they actually had just shipped the entire product like like weeks before that talk. And at the time, Divshot, which I was a pretty heavy user for that, got bought by Firebase, and then got became now Firebase deploys or whatever it's called, but the uh, the static front end uh, version of Firebase. And during that time, they said, "Okay, you have a month. Everybody, move your stuff somewhere else. Uh, we're gonna go get absorbed in the Google, and like good luck." And Netlify had just came out, and I was like, "Oh, okay, Netlify." I'm at this meetup. I'm just going to use this thing. Ended up meeting the uh, Matt Billman and uh, became a early user for a year. And then a year later, Netlify got funding. They joined Heavybit in their seed round, and um, they reached out to me and said, "Hey, you should work here." And I said, "Okay," because I was looking for something new. I wanted to grow. Joined as a front-end an engineer, and then also wrote a ton of blog posts on React and. There was like a direct correlation between the blog post I wrote and the conference talks that I did and user growth. So I was like, oh, and they're like, hey, you should do this full time. And I said, no. And then six months later, they hired a second front end person <laughs> and they're like, you should do it full time. I was like, okay, let me try this out. So that's sort of how I got the developer relations as an advocate, did that for full time for a year at NetWiFi and then um, got hired by GitHub. And that's where I'm
1: at today. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're pretty prolific when it comes to podcasting and, and streaming and, and conference talks. You know, talk to me about your your theory of of media as it relates to reaching out and educating developers.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny the you say like theory. Like a lot of times, I just do stuff that I really love. Like we were chatting offline, around I've been listening to podcasts since I had an iPod. So like 2004 is when I got my first one, and um, so I've just been very familiar with the space. Always wanted to have my own podcast. So the website I actually deployed the Netlify was a podcast site, and I was just just cranking through on a weekly podcast talking about this developing story, which is what the podcast is literally called. I, I will pick that up again. I did an episode a couple months ago and have not picked it up since. But yeah, basically, I just like doing stuff that I like listening to. So if I like going to conferences, I want to be on stage too. Let me figure out how that works. And like my very first conference talk was probably months before I joined Netlify, and. It was really just me, sorry, I had an idea to build an app in iOS. While I was doing it, React Native came out. So then I had the context of being able to compare React Native and iOS or Swift at that time because Swift also came out while I was still trying to build an iOS app. So I had a very interesting transition, not even transition because I'm not an iOS developer, but uh, experience in trying to learn how to do iOS while all this stuff was coming out. So I gave a top my very first conference talk was comparing the three technologies. And I try to bring a story to uh, the stuff I talk about. Like, I'm a big fan of learning and walking away from stuff, but also I realize that everything I say on stage, you can just learn from a blog post. Like, there's no reason to come to my talk. So, if that's the case, you should at least be entertained. Uh, So, I try to bring some entertainment to it. I I don't play, uh, well, I do play ukulele, but I don't bring it on stage because I forget how to. Form the chords. But uh, anyway, (laughs) but I do bring like an interesting story. So, one of my coworkers, past coworkers, had mentioned that every time they go to one of my talks, they learn something new that's not coding related. And that's usually my goal. If I can get you to close the laptop in the first two minutes or get you to like stop multitasking while listening to me on the podcast, then I've succeeded. And if I'm not doing that, then what's the point of me doing it?
1: It seems like that strategy's working. Uh, I actually pinged our community and our on our orbit Slack channel and asked some folks what they would be interested to hear from you on. And uh your Beyonce talk, I think in twenty eighteen <laughs> DevRelcon uh rose to the top. Uh more generally around uh how you how do you approach making your talks accessible? Uh yeah. It sounds like storytelling is a big part of that.
0: Yeah, there's um a, there's a, a quote from Stan Lee who's, who's passed away since and creator of Marvel Comics, our founder. And uh if the quote goes: "If imagine every issue is someone's first issue. So, if someone's never heard of Beyonce, like I will give you, I'll give you the cliff notes. I, I'm not going into all details, <laughs> and, you know, Girl Time and how she, they left their her dad as a manager and how they transitioned from Destiny's Child into Beyonce, who she is now, and how she's sort of evolved her 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 look, her feel, her her content over the past like literally 15 years. Yeah, I won't go into all those details, but I'll give you a snippet to make you want to go learn about Beyonce." So, like that talk in particular was focused on growing developer communities and sort of engaging, and how do you sort of empower developers? Uh, so you just approach it the same way Beyonce does, where you have the Beehive and uh, you elevate people so they feel empowered to go to bat for you whenever somebody you know tries to drag your name through the mud. Hmm. So, like, don't mess with Beyonce because the Beehive's they're watching <laughs> always.
1: <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, what would you say is your favorite trick of the trade? Yeah, the
0: the trick of the trade. I don't know if I have like a, a certain thing. Like I tend to have like a. If you listen to a couple of my talks, you'll probably figure out my format. And I usually like the context I try to bring, and same thing in blog posts too as well, which I haven't done a lot in the last year. Is I try to jump right in. Like I think a lot of times, one of the things I really my gripe against. Like I do a lot of cooking. Like we're all staying at home and sheltering in place at the moment. And when you read a blog post online, the first thing you get is like a random story. And like it takes forever for you to get to the ingredients. Like I will give you a story, but I'll give you the ingredients up front. So mm. I think I'm a fan of doing that because I think I want you to be like, what am I listening to? But also, you got 10 more slides or you got three more slides before I'm, I'm opening up this laptop. So like being very conscious of like when I'm going to lose the listener, but also stretch it as long as I can. So like I gave a talk around GraphQL. And trying to compare that to hip hop. So GraphQL is a lot of people know GraphQL. It's a way for us to manage, you know, our consume data uh, and present data for like our clients and our front ends. And with GraphQL, you can do this cool thing where you have a GraphQL wrapper. So I spent a couple talks speaking about rap in hip-hop, but I like one of my, I guess, more more prolific talks in GraphQL is I gave a lightning talk on GraphQL wrappers, but I never actually called out. The rap slides on the screen directly. <laughs> like every time I mentioned rapper, like you saw a rapper, uh, an actual hip hop rapper on the, on the screen. <laughs> but I, na- I forced the analogy of saying, like, everybody loves rapping. Like, even the kids love rapping. So why not just try rap? Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's prolific. Like, people are using it. And like, one of the, my, I think my best slide was uh, in my code, I actually had Chance to Rapper and I sort of ex- explained Chance to Rapper. As a rapper uh, in my code, Um, so like things like that, like it's bringing my personality, but not not overtly. Like sometimes I can I can take it too far. I did do like a a thirty slide talk on serverless functions uh, in the Jamstack about baseball, and I did spend like twenty slides talking about baseball. Um, (laughs) So I might have went over the top on there, but uh, that was for good reason because I didn't really know much about serverless functions like roughly like four years ago. So I only had three slides of content, so I spent way more time <laughs> speaking of baseball. So like sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but I would tell you a lot of people remember that talk for sure because I, I taught about baseball very, very heavily.
1: <laughs> so what I'm hearing is a, is a, is a, an attention to craft from your, for the way you think about your work and and execute the work that has been thematic across many of my conversations uh, on developer love and beyond. I'm interested in exploring what may or may not be a tension between on one hand the the creativity and following one's personal interests with you know the need on the other side of the coin to measure the impact and the the business value if you will of these activities how do you think about those together or do you think about them at all is it a false dichotomy yeah
0: i mean it's the business impact i don't think about it too much like we as the team at github like we do have goals we have okrs which i highly recommend like you should at least plan to plan at the very very least So like we have some like broader goals of like let's let's grow this strategic area, you know, let's present ourselves in this region. So we have like those types of goals, but like when we start talking about like how many people signed up at your talk or how many filled out the survey at the end of it, like those are nice to have. But when that becomes the focus of like, I can't leave your meetup until you I've actually signed in. To like some forum so that way some salesperson can reach out to me or whatever it is. Like, Mm. are we losing the purpose of why we're actually throwing this meetup together? Like, I think the goal should be like people should enjoy being around me enough that they can DM me on Twitter and ask me the questions later. Like, I don't need to actually give them the 20 questions at the event. I don't need to give them the 20 questions on stage. I don't need to actually, unless it's for me, my personal growth of had the talk I'm giving, like I don't really need to give a survey. Uh, it's more of like disengaging. And like, I try to sneak in things like that as part of my talk. So, like, I gave a workshop on GitHub Actions. And for getting involved in the workshop itself, you use an action to invite yourself to the org. So, you open up the README, it tells you in the issue or to go to this issue, type in this one command. You're using a GitHub action to do it. It's like the ah, shock and awe. Hey, I just used an action for the first time. Congratulations. Also, you're part of the org. So now I can follow up with you and be like, hey, News up. I haven't actually done this with that org. Uh, it wasn't really the goal. It was more of like, if we needed to tap into that, because like at the time we were reverse engineering some of our goals, and I think a lot of devrel we do that. Uh, it's like, hey, I'm just going to go to this conference down in Brazil, but I'll figure out the goals when I get back. So uh, stay tuned. Um, so there's a bit of that. Like we knew we wanted to be there, but we didn't know what we needed from there, which we figured out eventually. Uh, but I like I like to. Put the product on the forefront. I did this a lot in Netlify as well, where like we we created the deployed a Netlify button. So the very first thing you do when you engage my content is you're, like you're you're aware that there's a repo. That you're aware the code's available. Like, hey, I want to go through all the stuff. But by the way, if you just want to skip all this, go to the code here. And there you have the you can either follow the steps or just click the button and you have your own version. So giving people like we all learn different ways. And we all love touching, you know, test driving and stuff like that very differently. Like giving a couple different options, if you can, is always going to be do much better. Like not everybody likes podcasts, not everybody likes video. Well, everybody listening to This likes podcasts, but not everybody does YouTube videos or egghead videos or whatever it is. Like you've got to come at it from different angles and then play to your strengths. So if you're not great on video, don't do video. Like. Lean into the blog post. Like there are people who are exceptional writers. I'm not one of them, but as you can tell, I, I can ramble as long as uh, as long as you'd like.
1: <laughs> one thing you said was uh, we we knew we needed to be there, but we didn't know what we needed from there. And I think that's an interesting observation about the intuition of of people in the front lines of DevRel and developers and community. Yeah, some
0: of the things I used to do in my sort of uh, reverse engineered reporting OKRs is serendipity. Level. <laughs> and um, I, I think maybe, maybe y'all are figuring this out over at Orbit. But um, yeah, like, what's the serendipity of like, I was happened to give a talk in Austin about React at the React meetup. And the senior manager for a very large corporation doing the digital marketing is like, hey, we, we do not want to do WordPress anymore. So I like Netlify. Please give me context. And I connect them to the head of sales, which is I'm not doing sales. I'm just handing over leads if they happen to show up. Like serendipity level is like ten out of ten at that point. Like, hey, you went down to Austin, Texas for a small little you know seventy-five person meetup. That's huge for most cities. But anyway, you you came back with an actual legitimate like, hey, you're going to be funding an entire employee probably if this thing closes. Like, I'm not doing sales, but serendipity level is ten out of ten. I should probably go to Austin more often, or. Uh, nurture that that community and connection to see who else who else is in Atlanta, who else is in New York, who else is in India, because then you're the point person for all those those connections.
1: Yeah. We think a lot about using data and telemetry less for driving the decision making and more about driving the intuition of the practitioner, you know, and and allowing the sort of intuition to scale in that capacity.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned serverless functions too as well. Like that was another intuition thing that we did not really. When I worked at Nellify, so this is like a couple, quite a few years ago. Like no one knew what was happening, but we knew there was like things happening. So like everybody's sort of like jumping on this like weird, you know, Google Cloud functions that just come out and like alpha and they were not great. But then we had the serverless framework come out, and it was like, oh wow, this is actually super easy. So like there was like a thing happening, but not a lot of people were actually sort of like really bending the the feature or the 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 space. But we jumped on that pretty early. And like now Netlify functions exist too as well. Cause I, like that was like in the works from longer ago. Mm-hmm. And then they just built a thing that now so just fits perfectly in that sort of situation and community. And like I think if you're a front end tool, a developer tool, and you see like all this JavaScript frameworks and stuff like that and libraries, like there's a very clear pattern of react developers like accepting the fact that frameworks are cool now. So you have like the the NextJS which is like a almost batteries included but then you have like BlitzJS, you have RedwoodJS. They're all like building like batteries included react frameworks and if you want to double down and like enter a space like that would be something I'd be paying attention to if I was like an Netlify or another another company in that space. I'm not today like because GitHub happens to just uh, we're sort of selling tickets to the Code Wars and like people just creating accounts and new repos. So <laughs> it's a it's a nice position to be in as we see all these shifting and change.
1: Yeah, one thing that I enjoy uh, about your perspective is that you've got a you know diverse interest, pop culture, code, the cutting edge of, of both of those fields. You've got a lot of interest, including the ukulele. Uh, that's a new one for me. <laughs> Didn't know that was in there. So so thinking about everything you're working on right now, I'm interested to hear you know what are you really excited about lately.
0: Yeah, so I'm actually really truly excited about open source. We've come a long way since like there. I believe Richard Stallman, the whole like free everything, free floss, uh, free as in libre, open source software, that still exists. And like, yeah, we should go ahead and double down on your Linux servers and stuff like that, distros, and like that's not a sounds like a knock, but I'm just sort of like trying to transition to what I'm actually excited about. But um, like, we're seeing a transition in like funding in open source. Like, you have Open Collective, you have GitHub sponsors, you've got people leveraging Patreon. So like there's definitely eyes looking at open source. Also, there's like a VC firm, which is a couple of them that are specifically geared at making open source libraries into actual products, which is also intriguing. But also I find that one problem that I, I want to solve personally, and this is like outside of GitHub, is the onboarding experience for open source. Like, so that's a problem that I'm, I'm really interested in solving because I think there even at times like today, where we have so much. Unknowns and like if we're gonna have police departments in the future and like you know who's actually gatekeeping society, who's gatekeeping open source and that's the question I've I've, I've been asking myself for the past couple of years, which is you know why is it that certain people just sort of like this are prolific at open source, just know what they're doing, can go from project to project, build company after company on the back of open source, and just know like basically what they're doing and like how come so many other people aren't taking advantage of that and I think there's like a there's a barrier of entry. And I've been using this term called unintentional gatekeeping, where if I happen to work on a team with the guy who started Node.js or started some other framework or library, like I have so much more information and advantage because I happen to be in the right room at the right time. And then when you're, you know, new developers, you know, in you know Wichita, Kansas, coming out of like a, a online bootcamp, like their access and they, like to be able to have information and know that, like, hey, if I just learned React five years ago, I'd be a senior developer today. Like, <laughs> who would have thought? And um, I think a lot of people just don't have that information or have that knowledge and don't know where to find it. So, I am personally passionate around this decentralizing open source information. So, which sounds silly because open source is open source, but I think there are a few people who are really succeeding on the backs of open source. And there are a lot more people who are just like, I don't know, I just npm installed this thing, magic happened, and now I just fix bugs for a living. And uh, I think if there was an opportunity for, than any to actually give access to people for open source, I think it's today. And I, w- I would love to see more companies, more boot camps actually leveraging open source knowledge and how to contribute and how to level up your skill, whether for free or for paid, because we do have full time open source contributors and maintainers. But I think if as I mentioned like React, if you happen to know React five years ago, today you're a senior staff engineer because you just know way more than anybody else starting.
1: Yeah. What, so what's your view on, on unintentional gatekeeping? You know, what do we do about that? Yeah, so I
0: mean, gearing it more to what I'm doing at GitHub right now. So I've been doing this thing called Open Source Friday. So, uh, for whatever reason, a ton of DevRel people are on Twitch right now, uh, if you haven't noticed. And uh, so I'm on Twitch. You know, I just happened to like watching Twitch videos and saw a bunch of coders on there, and I could do that. So I do it. And um, at the first, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I actually started two years ago and was just like, I'm gonna write code. Like some people are gonna chat me up. Like I knew some people at Twitch, so they would show up and be like, oh, hey, cool, great job. And like I was using my gamer tag too as well, which was like Me8 Robot, which I, I chose years ago. It predates be Dougie. And uh, so like no one really knew I was there. I was just sort of like this goofing off in the afternoons when everybody else, most of my team was in the East Coast, so I was just goofing off. And um, two years later, like which is literally January of this year, I'm like, man, there's so many people doing coding on Twitch, I should do this again. And uh, so I started doing it and started live streaming myself doing this thing called Mutual Fund, which happened to be a name of another project that I forgot about or just stopped working on. And I was like, I'm going to just grab this domain since I already have it. And then started just doing coding and built a website. A mutualfund.live is the site. Built that and then people were just like, oh, this is cool and then built a community around literally just live streaming. And then started building this other project called, or this open source project called Open Sauced. Which is sort of like the reason why I'm interested in this onboarding. but yeah, just uh, live streaming is a, is a quite an intriguing space to be in right now.
1: Yes. Yeah, so tell us about open source. Is this, is this your you know approach to challenging the unintentional gatekeeping that exists in open source right now?
0: Yeah, it is. And it's like um, whether I have all the answers today or whether I'll have them later, I think I have some answers today. Uh, so basically to answer your question, the description is the path to your next open source contribution. So whether you're you know skilled or whether you're just getting started, it's an opportunity for you to be able to log in with your GitHub account. All the back end is actually, it's pretty jamstack, so all the back end is a GitHub repo. So when you open, you log in for the first time and ask you to open up a repo or create a repo, it's called Open Source Goals, and there you can track different projects. So like very much like the, the CRM for open source. I'm not sure how much of a CRM it is, but it will be more of it like it, hopefully in August, when we have some schedules built in. But uh, essentially, you track a, like you want to track React. You want to see what the open issues are. This is all stuff you can already do in GitHub. But unless you know what you don't know, you don't know what you know. And I know that's a lot of words using the same words over and over again. <laughs> but my issue with like contributing to open source is that I walk in there, someone told me that contributing to MD is the first place to look, or the readme. So I look at the readme, there's like all those like, screenshots, code snippets, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like I've used React before, but I don't know what this like parsing thing is or this how JSX works. So then I go in the contributing MD and it's like, hey, sign this CLA. Okay, signed it. And then grab an issue. Okay. Well, which one? Uh, grab the good first issue. Oh, well, this one's already taken. Uh, grab the next one. This one's already taken. Grab the next one. It's already taken. So like React being a popular project, it's hard to sort of understand what to do. And the irony is that if I were to join Facebook as an engineer, first thing they do is give me two weeks of training. It's called like the Facebook bootcamp. They tell you exactly what to do. They give you like the bugs to work on. They give you like, you know, depending on like how early you are in your career, you get like a tour through the company on different engineering teams. And like, do you like this team? Do you like this team? Like, you actually get onboarded as part of the experience. But with open source, we're like, hey, contributor MDs right there. Grab an issue, open a PR, and then let me know if you have any questions. Oh, okay. Well, let I me mean, just go in the Slack channel. Oh, it's not Slack; it's Discord. Like you continue to like fight hoops to jump through. So then, when you talk about like now, we're talking about like diversity in in, in open source. Like, how hard is it for someone who's brand new engineer? Which like we know diversity is a thing that's not been around for a, a very long time. Well, it's been around, but not in not an actual open source or in tech, and um, or specifically engineering. So like now we're onboarding all these new engineers. And we're telling them, hey, you know, just ship bugs, like you're, you'll do great. And then they they get stagnant. They don't actually level up in their career. They don't know why. And all these other people are just doing open source on the weekends or at work or figuring out how to sort of balance it. And if you're gonna have to spend a full two weeks to just figure out how to contribute to the React project, like you're not gonna do it. Like, what's the value in that? Like, I already worked hard just to get here, change my career from you know, working at Wendy's to eventually getting my you know, stable marketing job that ships a bit of React code and maybe a little bit of you know, PHP, like I don't have the time and the bandwidth to now go struggle through trying to figure out how React works. Uh, so what I'm getting at is like open source is going to be the democratization of open source. It's going to have an, a strong onboarding component. So when everybody in a repo will have like a YAML file that you can share in your project that this gives you all the checkboxes of what to do the first time you show up in the project. So if it's the contributing MD, if it's a secret Discord channel that's not linked into your into the repo, like that should be listed right there. And it's it's as simple as just like filling out the YAML, point people to the next steps, and then everybody's good. And uh, there's another component that we, we literally just launched this week uh, for my project and I saw Express.js do it as well, which is the idea of a triage role. So GitHub has this whole role in an org called Triage, where anybody who has this role can like label issues. They can mark things as like completed. They can mark things for like ready to work on or good first issue. Like that's something that a maintainer has to wake up every morning and look through a hundred issues and try to figure out: Are these ready to be worked on? Are these like you know pie in the sky ideas? Are these things that we have to punt when we sort of fix these like vulnerabilities? That could be handed off to someone that literally just came out of boot camp. Like there's no reason that a maintainer has to take up that work. So now we're talking about leveling in open source. Like, are you a maintainer, are you a contributor, are you a triager, are you a reviewer? Like reviewing pull requests is another thing that could be easily handed to anybody who wants to do it. But like we don't think of open source like in a corporation or a company. Like we think of like a couple guys doing cool things, you know, and sometimes shipping code on the weekends or spending doing late nighters and then getting burnt out and then wondering why we got burnt out from open source. So like if we could spread the bandwidth by actually like putting out our wings and bringing other people in the fold. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity, and like that's what I'm really striving to do. Is like when I talk to like Black Girls Co. and I talk the Hidden Genius Project, which all they have organization chapters here in Oakland, and I talk about open source is like the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm like, they're like, how do I get started? And I was like, oh well, look at this, look at this website, and like you know, watch these couple videos, and then good luck. <laughs> or look at your package.json and like you'll figure it out. <laughs> I, it should be a little bit more than that. Like, rather than point people to long, long-form blog post, like let's just give them the check boxes to check, and then hopefully they'll be able to like, unblock themselves. But if they can't, in that onboarding checklist, join the Discord. Like, join the synchronous communication because that's like a, a secret little channel that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Because I think we're inundated right now with Slack where we have Slack channels for everything. So if there's a possibility for you to take that to like a now GitHub discussion or a discourse forum or somewhere else. Like that should also be listed in the README, which I found a lots of projects that have these extra channels and places that they don't label them anywhere because for whatever reason, like they don't know how to manage the community. So like, why not get an open source maintainer to be a community manager? And like they don't ship code, but they're contributing, like they're part of the org. They have it on they have the badge on their, their profile. Wow. I'm kind of blown away, man. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's. I just I sort of exploited a lot of thought I've had. I've actually been pitching a lot of people on this, is trying to get people on board. Done mm. a couple of tweets and uh, talked to a lot of people internally as well, just at GitHub, just to spread awareness around. Like, hey, we have a, a giant blind spot of like we could be onboarding tons of people and like make open source more sustainable, make people more engaged. Like GitHub definitely wants you to use GitHub.com, so like why not just build something to. Get people just to show up and like check up on issues, like answer some questions, and um, so yeah, I'm trying to trying to organize my thoughts. We have a a long road to 1.0, which will hopefully be in August, and uh, at that point we'll have some cool things that we'll announce, Uh, and all open source, so like nothing's hidden. Like I've got a whole discussion board and a Discord if anybody wants to jump in and provide feedback.
1: Yeah, are you looking for contributors currently?
0: I am actually. So the triage role is new this week. I will be doing some tweets. I noticed that we have one female contributor of the 17 contributors. Like we're doing great on POC. I, I think it's natural because I happen to be a black male. Like I tend to attract other black males who are interested in contributing. And like that's another eye-opening thing that I didn't realize until I became a maintainer or something. But we talk about females contributing, like or just to say that non-binary or, or female uh, programmers. Like we are very much lacking in that realm. And I want to make sure that as I grow a project, like this is not the dobro center of hanging out and getting things done. Like I want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to level up. Like I did a call out this week, so like we've gone through a lot of stuff. Last week was a very hard week for me personally, being a black male in the U.S. And woke up on a Saturday, sort of like, what can I do? And like I'm not a protester. Like I do have a lot of a a voice to, to share, but like I'm not really into debating and stuff like that. So like, what can I do to actually? Engaged a community I come from, and so I sent out a tweet and saying, "Hey, if you're a Black open source contributor, maintainer, give me your profile link. I will sponsor you for GitHub our GitHub sponsors." And I was not expecting it to blow up the way it did, but it ended up blowing up where we had a lot of notable people in open source who were just like, "Hey, this is really cool. Like, we would love to participate, and we're going to double down." And like the deal was, first two people to respond, they get fifty dollars a month for the next year from me. Like that's what I think. I looking at my bank account. That's what I could do. Uh, happy to do it, but I sponsored everybody else. It just happened not to be fifty bucks a month, and uh, I think everybody else matched me on my efforts, like whether it was fifty or five or a dollar. Wow! So we had one individual who's a, a female POC identifies that way, and uh, last time I looked, she was like thirty sponsors, going from like less than ten, wow. uh, not even because I was the third sponsor and I sponsored her a couple of weeks ago, and just because she was on my profile. Other people sponsored her, so imagine this like me lending my privilege, which is like working at GitHub, having access to like a nice salary. Like now, that that privilege of me just sponsoring somebody has now brought awareness to other people of the existence of this one female engineer. And like we do know, like as a fact, like female engineers, it's hard to come by when it comes to open source. Like you could name them, but it, you might be scratching your head of like who notable is doing open source today in this area. Like it's a conversation I have all the time, just trying to spread awareness to other people besides the same, you know, ten people we see all the time.
1: Yeah, it's really inspiring because your work seems to operate on two levels. One, what you just described is the sort of interpersonal dynamic of of lifting others up, but then uh, the work around the open source onboarding and open source reminds me a little bit of what uh, Ibram Kendi talks about and how to be an anti racist around policy as really the driver of, of racism more so than the individual interactions. And you know, it's almost as if through lowering the barrier of entry to onboarding for open source, it's like a policy-level change.
0: Yeah. Policy might be it. I mean, going back to the original term that I keep hammering on, which is unintentional gatekeeping, Like, it's no one's fault. Like, Maybe it's some people's fault, but I'm not blaming anybody for like, hey, I look at this, this open source team and all I see is white dudes on their contributor page. Like, they happen to attract, you know, like-minded individuals. They might all be from the same college. They all hang out in the same circles. Like that's okay. But like, I think one of the things that we can do is like look at our Twitter followers. Like look at the people that we we're following and sponsoring on GitHub or Open Collective or Patreon. And if everybody looks like us on that list, like then perhaps we need to start expanding out into other realms to meet new people. And like. I, I get that some people are, like, feel comfortable and hanging out in certain groups and stuff like that. I myself, I feel comfortable in certain groups as well, but I always try to challenge myself to say, "Hey, I might not know much about what it's like to be non-binary uh, and living in America or living in whatever." Like, it's my duty as, especially the community that I am leading and trying to grow. To actually make friends with people who are not like me and have a different walk of life and are growing in a different way and having different struggles, because if I don't know what their struggles are, like I can go years, days, whatever, not understanding like how to solve those problems or even be aware of it. Like I don't have to solve all the problems, but being aware of it, like it, it speaks volumes uh, because then your decision making of like, hey, I'm I'm on the the speaker review panel of you know big conference X Y Z, and I'm looking at the list and like you know. This name sounds female. This name sounds male. I'm gonna go with the female, but like it turns out, like it 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 still ended up having 100% male. Or it turns out that I didn't know anything about names, you know, in the Middle East or in Eastern Europe. So I made a judgment call based on my personal experience and how many people I've met from Eastern Europe. So perhaps I need to actually bring more people from Eastern Europe or more people who know more than I do to the review panel. And like that goes like. Even if you happen to like myself, who comes from a diverse background, like I'm not, I'm not, uh, what do you call it, omitted from the the conversation because I happen to already be a diverse voice. Like I personally always am looking backwards and trying to see, okay, who is trying to do what I did two years ago? Like I should either be writing the blog post or getting in that meetup or taking time to actually have those conversations. And like I also realize and I respect that not everybody can be out there and open and speaking and an engaging community like that's this if it's not your job it's not your job it's fine but like i think if you, if it's not for you like we should all make room for people who are doing good things and positive influence in our community so mm-hmm. uh, that's where i stand and happy to hear otherwise too as well if anybody wants to hit me up on twitter
1: yeah i uh, appreciate your voice in all of these areas and i'm wondering you you shared a lot of really amazing vignettes today i'm wondering what would you say has been your proudest moment as a developer advocate or someone working in the space yeah,
0: that's, that's a good question. I know I probably should have been prepared for this, but honestly, I, I tend to have like proudest moments. I mean, I just recently came off of uh, speaking at GitHub Satellite and I got to really showcase like GitHub Satellite, the online version was probably bigger than we pro- probably could have imagined. So we're talking like four or 4,000 plus, you know, at the time I was speaking. I spoke, that was the last slot. So I was sort of at the closer for the event. But being able to take all my talents and everything I learned, even recently with the streaming, because it was an online event, and actually showcase uh, my skill set, I gave a talk on literally just talking through the the features uh, of GitHub that we sort of shipped in the last year, and it was heavily toned towards uh, towards Beyonce, which I I have naturally been doing for the past uh, two years, and happy to do so and continue to do that, and uh, I was able to showcase me personally as a person of color who values, you know, different musics than other people or just different interests. And I was able to showcase that without being less of myself. And I think Mm. if I can continue to do that and just a GitHub satellite or in the podcast that I show up and encourage other people to be to bring their full voice to the table, I will continue to be proud every time I have an opportunity to do that. So like the most recent would be GitHub Satellite, but like I think I have countless times where I've just been able to do something like that, and then have a bunch of DMs from people to, uh, asking me and telling me, hey, that was super inspirational. Like I'm super pleased to see you on stage and sharing, you know, your interests and like helping your, your personality shine through, through the the boringness of like, you know, scheduled reminders and pull requests. Like that's an awesome feature. And I you should use it, but I will tell you how to use it and how Beyonce would use it to, to manage the behalf too as well.
1: <laughs> I love it. Brian, this has been awesome so far. One, one, more question that we ask everyone that comes on the show. The podcast is called Developer Love. Uh, I'm wondering what's one thing that you're loving right now?
0: Yeah, so honestly, the one thing I am loving right now is actually being at home mm-hmm. as a developer relations, our developer advocate. We do a lot of traveling, and um, I've actually spent the last three months just sort of so rediscovering the personality of my daughter, who's like will be two next month. So it's been nice to sort of. Be flexible enough to be able to transition to only being at home, but still being very impactful in the job I do. Uh, and then I'm actually contemplating: like, you know, when things open up, travel opens up, do I really need to be on the road once a month or can I do it once a quarter and still host, you know, once a week live streaming, providing very, you know, impactful content and growing communities? From the comfort of my home. And I I think the answer is yes. Uh, what that looks like after the fact, I think I'm still figuring it out. But um, loving being at home, loving like teaching my son how to ride a bike, like that was something that you know we could do off and on, but I had to, you know, get on a plane. So sorry, we're gonna be a little inconsistent next month. Hmm. That was an awesome thing to be able to do as well.
1: Wow, love it. Brian, thank you so much for your perspective on everything from open source to ukulele to Beyonce really informative and inspiring chat today. If people want to learn more about what you're working on professionally, personally, or otherwise, where should they look to connect with you online?
0: Yeah, I mean, the easiest place is probably Twitter. I tend to make that the central point of uh, failure, but also the command center for my life. So whether it's my sourdough bread that um, I occasionally will tweet out. I think it's, we've been over inundated in sourdough in the last... I've been doing sourdough before it was cool, but for some reason, uh, COVID-19's made it popular so I don't tweet a lot of photos of bread. But with that being said, a lot of the code I write, a lot of the stuff I do, it's all linked in my in the description. Also check out my GitHub. Uh, we've been doing some really cool stuff on GitHub. I'm actually going to update my profile with some of the new features. So definitely check out Dougie on GitHub and BDougieO on Twitter.
1: Right on. Brian, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Yeah, likewise.
1: Thanks for listening to Developer Love. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five star rating on iTunes and tell a friend. You can learn more about Orbit at orbit.love slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at OrbitModel.